film trauma podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Rick. Um, I buy a lot of movies. I am financially irresponsible and spend way too much money on on boutique Blu-rays. In fact, today, after recording the last episode of La Sexorcista for this show, my Vinegar Syndrome Black Friday order came in. And it was tremendous. And I was a little embarrassed about the amount of stuff that I got. Televised Terror, Forgotten Gialli, 3, 4, and 5, The Invisible Maniac, Homegrown Horrors, Volume 1 and 2, uh, Evil Laugh, uh, Wicked World, and I think uh, The Uninvited, I think like three other, three or four other titles from the sale that they had on Black Friday. It's been almost a month since I placed that order, and I finally got it. So I was happy to have that, happy to unbox it, and we will be going through all those boxes and checking them out and watching all the films on them eventually. But um, one thing that came the other day in the mail that I was really excited about was the latest installment from Vestron Video's Collector's Series, Silent Night, Deadly Night Collection 3, 4, and 5. I'm really excited about this. It's a little unfortunate that Part 1 and 2 were released by Scream Factory and 3, 4, and 5 were split into uh, Vestron, sort of um, pulling the rug out from all of us in hopes for a full box set, which I think that this film deserves I would love to see a full collection but I'm not disappointed at all uh, especially by this release um, I've been collecting the Vestron video collectors series since the first release several years ago now maybe 2017 or 2018 maybe and I have all of them in the series, and this is number 28, and I think that this might be arguably their best release to date. This is certainly my favorite release of theirs to date, and they've put out uh, quite a few that I love. This one, and I think I'm such a fan of Little Monsters, and I'm such a huge fan of Dream a Little Dream that I was very excited about those as well. But um, the Silent Night, Deadly Night collection is what we're here to talk about today in the spirit of the holiday. And we're starting with, let's just take a look at this packaging. Packaging, uh, It's amazing, tremendous artwork. I mean, I love this artwork. Great Bill Mosley, Mickey Rooney, uh, Clint Howard, as well as the other supporting cast for the film, the, all of the three films. And... You know, there's not a ton of features on here, but there's there's definitely enough for each release um, that makes me very happy. And Vestron usually doesn't skimp on the releases. I always like their packaging, too. kind of has that, like, metallic, iridescent sort of look to it. And it does have a digital copy, which is nice. I don't take advantage of these digital copies, but um, I know people do like them and they sell them, too. Or they used to sell them. I don't know if you can still do that on eBay, if you can uh, take your... Uh, you get your, your code and then throw it up on eBay. But I think you can get ripped off pretty easy. From from what I've heard, you can get ripped off pretty easy with those. So I don't know if that's advisable or if they even allow that anymore. 
But in any case, um, yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night, The Collection, Part 3. Uh, better watch out. Special features include audio commentary with film historian Jarrett Gayen, uh, interviews, Outshine the Brain Cap, interview with actor Bill Mosley, Monty and Me, interview with creative consultant Stephen Gatos uh, for a live audience, Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, interview with executive producer Richard Gladstein, trailer and still gallery. I remember seeing this film on the video shelves growing up, the VHS copy, and I own a copy of this on VHS. I don't know. I mean, I know Vestron put this out under their Vestron Video Collector Series label, but I don't know if it is an original Vestron release. Uh, I have no idea if it was another label or if it was released as Vestron. I assume it was, considering it's part of their release, but again, you know, I'm not, um, I don't know all of the details, all of the ins and outs, all of the little things I don't know. I'm learning just as much about all this stuff as we go along as perhaps, uh, you all are by listening to this, but, um, yeah, I have this on VHS. I've watched it once before. I don't remember anything about it. Uh, I bought my copy of the VHS at Hollywood Video when they were going out of business back in 2000 and I don't know, seven, maybe six or seven Hollywood video, my local one went out of business and I would just buy arm loads, arm loads. I would tattoo all day long and then go to the video store and they had their VHS on sale for one, two, three bucks. I mean, I think maybe $3 was the most expensive I would see. And I would come home with arm loads of VHS and that's where, and now I have like seven, you know, little small U-Haul boxes not the bookshelf boxes, but the small boxes full of VHS tapes, mostly that I've curated from uh, the closing of the Hollywood video. A lot of my good stuff came from there, and 3, 4, and 5 um, is one of them. And I think I think I have actually part 2 as well on VHS. I don't have, I don't have the first one. You know, there's a big box for that, and I would love to own that. But... Um, I got pretty lucky with my VHS collecting series back in the late, uh, the mid, the mid two thousands, because I was able to find a big box copy of Zombie, Fulci Zombie, um, Suicide Cult, a couple of real classics that I still that I still treasure. But back to Silent Night, Deadly Night three. Now, it's my opinion that. I can always find something good, something redeemable, something positive to say about every film I watch. And that truly, I feel like, you know, there really is no such thing as a bad film. But this one really tried my patience. It did. Um, I was very disappointed, I think, in Silent Night, Deadly Night 3 on this watching. there. Of course, there's some classic moments, some stand-up performances, and some l- lots of good things to say about this movie. But... I knew the film was in trouble immediately when we started seeing footage from the first film, Silent Night, Deadly Night, which I saw on cable as a kid. You know, I was, I I mean, I was probably, Christ, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years old, eight, eight or maybe eight or nine. I grew up in the 80s, you know, born in 78, grew up in the 80s. It was a great time. A great time to have unrestricted access to cable TV. I think back then they were just piping in whatever they could to fill the airwaves. And I saw Silent Night, Deadly Night on cable, uncut, at least the cable release. And I remember just being, you know, 
completely terrified by the opening sequence, the, the assault, the murder of the parents in the beginning. This is very shocking. What a shocking movie. What a great movie, the original. We'll talk about that for a minute. I loved it. It's a classic. What a weird movie, right? Like, the parents are, are driving uh, their, their, their family on a deserted road. They see a Santa Claus uh, broke down. They try to help him. And he murders him and assaults the wife, kills the husband. The kid runs off, winds up in an orphanage, tortured by nuns, gets like sexually twisted, and then is just triggered by the appearance of Santa Claus and becomes a serial killer. That's the premise of Silent Night, Deadly Night. And then, you know, I think it was definitely a cult hit. You know, a midnight movie, did really well, did well on home video, did well on cable, and just became a cult hit, you know? Um... Something I know I talked about with my friends as a kid. Oh, did you see this movie? Did you see that movie? Yeah. Part two, um, I remember seeing on, I think, USA Network in the late 80s, early 90s. USA Network was awesome back then. It was, it was great for trauma, lesser-known, unknown movies, bad movies played all the time, probably because they were cheap, you know, just easy to throw on, easy to get rights to, easy, you know, so widely available, and um, yeah, uh, Sundays, holidays, Thanksgiving, bad movies all the time, the Traumathon, Toxic Avenger, 1, 2, 3, Class of Newcomb High, all these TV, the TV edits of all these films, and uh, Silent Night, Daily Night 2, I saw on USA Network at some point, maybe up all night. Rhonda Shearer's up all night, maybe, who knows, maybe Joe Bob Briggs, I don't know, but, you know, that film, uh, 45 minutes of re-edited, just edited footage, just insert footage, just reused footage from the original film, they stuck that into the sequel, and the sequel is just, you know, the, the killer, the boy, Ricky, being interviewed by the police, he retells the story of the first film, they reuse all that footage, and at the end, he escapes the police station and then goes on a kill rampage and then gets killed. So this film is supposed to pick up sort of uh, at some point in the timeline uh, after the events of the second film. Um, and, you know, I remember being like completely flabbergasted, even as a kid watching the second film, like, what the hell is going on? There, why is there, they're so they're just reshowing, they're just showing this reusing this footage. What, what's happening? And the the story that they're going with is is nothing. It's not they're not adding anything. They're, even back then, I remember being completely annoyed by the just not adding anything to it. Um, so so this film, the premise is uh, there's a psychic uh, girl who has some kind of power to, and then there's uh, Ricky is in a coma, and she has some kind of power being manipulated by these doctors to try to communicate with him while he's in his coma because he had his brains blown out and he's wearing this this skull cap which is the one of the coolest parts of the movie right and uh, bill mosley this time as ricky uh, bill mosley is like he and robert culp are the only reasons really to watch this film you know honestly the standout performances i love robert culp great tv actor bill mosley Basically, Frankensteining his way through the film as Ricky, uh, with the with the brain cap, looks great, does the job, you know. Um, and, but I was worried right away 
because again, I'm, I'm always worried when you see a lot of wasted time on film with shots that just go on for way too long, a lot of driving, a lot of walking, a lot of spanning time with nothing really happening. You know that the character's intent is to get from point A to point B. You know, they, they have the setup, like, okay, we're going to go see Granny or whatever. And then it's like 15 minutes before they actually get there. And then I check the time on the film, and like 30 minutes have passed. And you're like, oh my God, what is happening with the pacing of this film? It's just, there's, there's just not enough story. So the premise, you know, surrounding the psychic girl trying to reach Ricky in his mind. And then he bonds somehow with this woman and, um, gets released. He releases himself. He escapes from the hospital. And while her, the psychic and her brother and the girlfriend, the brother's girlfriend are on a trek to see the grandmother. Right. So Ricky escapes. And then of course, um, winds up at the grandma's house and this poor, cute little old lady who looks just like, uh, Mrs. Claus. You know, uh, Ricky shows up at the house and she's the most adorable old lady. She's making him turkey soup. And there's this like, sort of like sensitive, like Frankenstein moment, you know, the scene of Frankenstein where he, he goes to the, the, the old blind guy and gives him like a, the, they smoke the cigar and the fire and he freaks out and, you know, does all that. It's kind of a similar thing, right? Where Ricky shows up at the house and, and, um, just like wastes the old lady off screen too, right? So it's like now it's 30 minutes into the film. You have like the, I don't know, like the second kill or whatever. Nothing is happening. The pacing is excruciatingly slow. And there's no story. There's so much time just like running around and talking about this and talking about that. Nothing's happening. And I don't even know what my expectations were for the film. I, I, you know, there, there was just no... I couldn't tell what the what the what the promise of the premise was, um, and it certainly wasn't delivering on much of anything. And I couldn't really figure out what the psychic stuff was about, or or what they were going to do with it, or how it kind of impacted anything. I thought maybe they kept, uh, you know, hammering this point home, like, oh, Ricky sees what she sees, or she sees what he sees, whatever. But I don't know how they were going to connect, like the the doctors. Uh, the the doctor stuff with with the girl and the grandma and all this and it just it just fell flat the whole thing fell flat but they have this sort of like Halloween premise where you have the concerned doctor hooks up with uh, Robert Culp the detective and they're hunting Ricky down trying to stop him before he does another mass murder you know and and in theory that sounds great because it worked in Halloween but um you had in Halloween why it worked because you had Donald Pleasance and you had Michael Myers, who was just a more formidable and scarier villain. And he was wasting everybody and it was very stylish and it was very, you know, very cool. And obviously Halloween, amazing masterpiece. But this just didn't have the same thing. You know, the, it, it completely fell flat for me. Um, but, you know, Bill Mosley, amazing. Love that dude. Love him and everything. I think he was fresh off of Texas Chainsaw 2 is Chop Top um, in this film. And, you know, I, he makes it worth watching. The, so, and then the acting also. We can talk a little bit about the acting. I think the, I think the performances by the actors, while they look great, I think they're all very beautiful women 
that they cast in the lead roles. They look amazing. The film actually looks great. The restoration looks great. And it's full frame. It's not actually widescreen. Um, I don't know what the... Yeah, it is a 16 by 9 um, aspect ratio. And here it's not full screen. I mean, it's not widescreen. But the, the, the lead actresses are great they look beautiful and fantastic the the kid with the curly hair the brother kind of annoys me a little bit but he's fine the doctor from the institute the dream institute or whatever just the worst actor terrible actor terrible performance um and opposite robert culp it just doesn't work for me because robert culp i mean you're talking about a dude who's had a career since the, the early the mid 50s you know, strong TV actor. All he's done is, like, TV stuff. Mostly he had some, I think, some features peppered in here and there. Uh, nothing that I can really um, think of to, to you know. He, he, he was in so much stuff. You know, The Man from U.N.C.L.E. And uh, um, I remember him from, like, The Outer Limits and Alfred Hitchcock Prevent, Presents. And uh, I don't know if he was in Twilight Zone or not, but... You know, things like that. Just a really strong actor. But when you put a guy like that who's a seasoned actor, a, you know, opposite of the dude who just he cannot even carry his own performance. <laughs> well, it just it made it for me a little hard to sit through. I found the film incredibly boring, incredibly dull, and I think that you know the biggest mistake, the biggest misstep of the film, I think, was not spending enough time with the most interesting character, which was Ricky, Bill Mosley's character, who has a brain bucket. Like, he's got his brain in a clear jar on his head with fluid, and it was just, like, the coolest thing. I just, It was so rad-looking, and they spent no time with him at all. You know, he's just kind of lumbering around. He's criminally underused, underutilized. Yeah, I mean, who does he kill? He kills, like, two people in the whole film. And, you know, can we talk for a minute about they set this film, the setting of this film was in California, and it's like summer, the middle of summer. And if it's not, it sure looks like the middle of summer because there's no snow anywhere. And I'm not sure how he gets to California or why he's in that institute. I was not paying attention. I don't know how they, um, I'm saying, I wasn't paying attention if they had that detail or not, how they got all the way out there, they touch on it or whatever, but but um, the original Silent Night, Deadly Night, there's snow, you know, it, it's, it's winter, it's real heavy with Christmas themes, they hammer you over the head with it, this is a holiday horror film, and there's none of that, I mean, there's a very little bit, like in the grandma's house, just a little bit of Christmas stuff in there, but this, I mean, this. I don't know if like this was a, a different script that they sort of like just shoehorned in Ricky's character as the identity of the killer, because that's really the only connection to the original series. And also, again, like I said in the beginning of the of the episode, that I was worried immediately when they started reusing that footage from the first film, and you know they. They only reuse a few scenes, but it, it was bothering me a lot because, you know, when you watch the second film, there is an element of feeling a little cheated. You know, like it is a it is a shameless cash grab, at least in the 80s. 
in the 90s or whatever. And that's fine. You know, I really don't have a problem with that. It's just, it, it, it's just a little, it's just a little boring. But, um, I did, I do respect that they did take the franchise and attempt to do something different with it, repackage it in a certain way, I guess. But there really is nothing wrong with sort of going back to the roots and sticking with a, a killer Santa Claus. Because, you know, I that idea works well. And I think that fans of the genre, of the, I mean, I'm sorry, of, of the franchise, at least then, were in the mood for that. If you're going to watch a Silent Night, Deadly Night, if you're going to call your film Silent Night, Deadly Night, then you want it to deliver on the promise of that title. And it doesn't at all. Be I mean, they do kill a Santa Claus in there. And again, that's why I say I feel like it's shoehorned in. But, you know, these criticisms are, are very light for a 35-year-old film. Because uh, overall, I think it was a very fun movie. And I think it is completely worth watching. Even though the grandmother... And and the and the and the Laurie character have this Obi Wan and Luke moment where after the grandmother is dispatched by Ricky, she comes back to Laurie in a dream. Oh, because I forgot to mention that Laurie's blind. Or so she comes back to Laurie in a dream and says, "You have the power. No one can stop you if you use your power to over." Throw over to to outdo outsmart to to catch the killer to to overtake the killer use your power your psychic power. So what does she do? How does she use her psychic power to stop the killer? She stabs him in the gut with a broken broomstick. It, 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 like it doesn't go anywhere. I, I, I that was very confusing for me. I don't know why that unless I missed it or I fell asleep or I don't know what was going on. But I just feel like. If they would have taken that Ricky character, Bill Mosley, and put him in a Santa suit, I would have forgiven most everything else in the film. Because at least they're delivering on the promise of the title, the promise of the premise. Right? So anyway, Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. Um, that's part one. I'm going to do... Uh, part four initiation and part five the toy maker and part five I absolutely love part five and I think <laughs> I don't know it is such a whacked out movie Mickey Rooney is fucking crazy and he's amazing in that movie it's just so absurd and I love it I absolutely loved it part four Initiation. I don't remember much of it. It's been so long since I've seen it, but um, I'm excited to rewatch them. And you know what? This right now, I think, is one of the best horror Blu-ray boutique values. The price is the best value on the internet that you're gonna find anywhere, because it's like eleven dollars on Amazon. $11 for three movies 
is preposterous. What an amazing, I don't, don't know how they can release this so affordably. And I'm glad that they do because it makes it very accessible for even people on like a micro budget. If you're on a micro entertainment budget and you're spending your money wisely on important things like saving and retirement and insurance and food and presents for your children, whereas I just blow all my free money or, or all my <laughs> extra money on crap, um, and you're financially responsible, you might be able to squeeze $11 of value for three films. I think this is a tremendous value. So I highly recommend if you're a collector, if you're on a shoestring budget, even if you've never bought a boutique Blu-ray and you're interested in getting into them for, for extremely cheap, a little investment, this is the way to go. What a great value three films 11 bucks on amazon i'm sure you can also get it on uh, diabolicdvd.com and plenty of other independent uh, retailers i would i would push this from any other retailer before amazon i guess but that's where i got mine uh, this of course is backed by lionsgate and lionsgate company and they've got money to burn apparently but i'm um, you know yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on this. I think it's I think it's worth watching. I'm gonna rewatch it with the commentary. Um, I didn't feel the need to. Usually, what I do is I'll watch the film and then I'll watch the commentary, and then I'll do the episode. I didn't. I don't want to do that. I think with this series, where I'm just sort of burning through all of the collections on my shelf, the films on my shelf, because I don't want any preconceived notions for my performance or, or my review or my reaction, because, you know, I, I'm really not a good research guy. I'm not, a, you know, I don't have a great memory for that stuff. I'm very scatterbrained. Um, I lose my train of thought easy and I'm not like the most articulate person in the world, <laughs> but I love these movies, and I hope you do too. And I hope that you share in my enthusiasm and, and listen along to these commentaries, these um, podcast episodes that I'm putting out for you. Um, because this is something that I would enjoy. You know, I, I, you know, I wish my film IQ was higher. I wish I was <laughs> smarter. <laughs> I wish I was better with this shit, but I'm not. And we're going to lean into our strengths and keep doing these. I'm really excited. I'm going to watch the comment. I'm going to listen to the commentary at some point for this. And then uh, tomorrow I'll be back with Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. I'll try to do 4 and 5 tomorrow because I want to get them out before Christmas. 4 and 5. I'm really excited for the toy maker, And I would actually like to plug... Uh, my friend's um, toe.i.ear is t-shirt company. If you look him up on Instagram, toe.i.ear, he put out a Silent Night, Deadly Night shirt for the toy maker. It's the only one in existence. And I believe he's doing, I don't know if you can only get it in person or if you can get it from him, if you can order it from him. Um, but he does... A live event in Chicago at Cigars and Stripes Barbecue. 
if you meet him there, I'm sure you can pick up a shirt, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. You're going to want to grab it because it's going to be a collector's item. You're not going to be able to get these, you know. Uh, he makes his own shirts. I make my own shirts. I have a branded company as well. I do have a uh, specialty line of shirts that I do. Not to sell myself short of my ability. But I also like to promote my friends and I promote small business. So please look on Instagram for toe.i.ear for all of your horror stuff. Because you're going to want to pick up that Silent Night, Deadly Night uh, 5 shirt. And all the other stuff he uh, puts out as well. He He's nice enough to uh, hook me up with some special editions of the stuff he does. Sometimes stuff that you can only get in person if you go and see him. He does a limited number of them. And sometimes he'll hook me up with, um, like he gave me like an alligator shirt, like a basket case shirt, just stuff that I, you know, very, very, very cool stuff you can only get if you go to the event and you watch the film and you eat the food and you just enjoy it and you have a good time and you can watch a film in a bar with a bunch of people. And it just sounds, it sounds awesome, you know. So if you're in Chicagoland or even nearby, tri-state area, no reason why you shouldn't be driving out there. No reason why. Check it out. And uh, that's 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 the episode today, and we'll be back tomorrow with the other ones. So, yeah, that's it. See you later. Bye.